Welcome to another edition of the Educational AD, Best Practices for Athletic Directors and Coaches. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herc Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where teams communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Hey, welcome back everyone to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is a good friend, Shelton Cruz, a longtime uh, teacher coach in uh, the Panhandle area, and he's currently the Executive Director for the Florida Athletic Coaches Association. Shelton, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jake, and uh, I look forward to it this morning. Okay. Well, as you know, the life of an AD these days is very busy. So we're going to jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners learn a little bit about our guests. So tell us, you know, where you grew up, where you went to school, uh, and how, you know, your love of sports um, led you into uh, your career. Uh, I grew up about two hours south of Tallahassee in a small rural community called Chiefland. Uh, it's about 40 miles west of Gainesville, uh, about 25 miles from the Gulf Coast. And uh, uh, I grew up uh, on a farm. Uh, my dad was a watermelon farmer, cow farmer. Uh, we had hogs, chickens, horses, the whole nine yards. I was very heavily involved in the FFA, the Future Farmers of America. Uh, I drove a tractor down the road long before I drove a truck. Uh, I, was, I was driving a tractor at 10 years old. Uh, and then, uh, but I always had a love for sports. Uh, my, my aunt and uncle used to take me to the, uh, the Gator games as I first, my first Gator game was in 1969 when Florida played University of Houston, John Reeves, Carlos Alvarez, that crowd. Uh, and that kind of got me involved in sports and, uh, and been involved in it ever since, uh, uh, played, started playing JV football in the seventh grade and eventually playing varsity. Uh, uh, my high school coach was probably, outside of my dad, was probably my biggest mentor. Uh, and uh, he, he's the one that kind of led me in that direction. Uh, uh, it was, uh, you know, the good thing about uh, getting into education and you know, and going off to college and all that type of stuff. Uh, work, being a, being a, having a dad as a watermelon farmer, that's a good reason to stay in college and get your degree so that you don't have to, uh, uh, so you don't have to grow watermelons for a living. But I wouldn't trade my rural roots for anything. Uh, my parents instilled a, uh, 
uh, a good work, uh, good work ethic. Uh, kind of made me task-oriented person. Uh, you know, as a farmer, you work daylight to dark. There was no 40-hour weeks. Uh, you know, you'd sit up all night with an irrigation gun, making sure it was working right, or, or you'd get on a tractor before daylight and stop at dark. Uh, you might ride horses in the woods hunting cows, putting up fence. I mean, I've been chest deep in, in a cypress pond in, in the woods, putting up barbed wire fence, you know, and, and so uh, all those things, I think, shaped me for, for who I am today, and, and uh, I couldn't be more proud of that. Uh, I graduated high school, went to Santa Fe Community College uh, for two years. Uh, wanted to get out on my own, get away from that area, because growing up in Chiefland, everything you did was in Gainesville. And uh, doctor, dentist, movie, shopping, clothing, or whatever, you know. And I wanted to get away. And uh, I had friends that attended, that was at Florida State. I said, I'm going away from school to school, and I want to develop some responsibility and, and chart my, my course. So I transferred to FSU, graduated in 1984. Uh, uh, my first year coaching, my first two years I coached, but I was a volunteer coach. Uh, didn't make a dime and enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, first year I coached was in 1980 with my, at my high school. Uh, like I said, I, I thought I wanted to be a coach and I said, I think I'm going to ask my coach because I was still had another year of junior college. I said, I think I'm going to ask my coach if, if I can, uh, uh, if I can help him coach. Well, before I could ask him, he asked me. And so uh, the rest is history. And and I had a JV coach back when I was in the seventh and eighth grade that I became uh, close to. And uh, he had, when I came to FSU, he happened to be the head coach at, at Florida, which is Art Witters. And, uh, and I ran into him at a, at a coaching clinic that spring. And he said, if you're coming to Tallahassee, why don't you come coach for me? So I went to Florida High. That first year I was in Tallahassee. And uh, we had two lesser known sophomores on that team. One is uh, David Palmer, Dean Palmer's brother. Uh, he's now Dr. David Palmer, uh, lives, in, lives in Savannah, is an orthopedic surgeon. And we had a, this, this little small scrawny defensive back named Martin Mayhew. Uh, of course, Martin went on to FSU, started in the NFL, uh, most recently was the uh, president and CEO of the Detroit Lions. He's now in the uh, San Francisco 49er organization. And me and Coach Witters had breakfast with him about six months ago. Right? Well, not since, probably about a year ago now and when he came into town. And, and uh, you know, so, you know, I've, I've been lucky. Uh, been at the right place at the right time. And then uh, didn't coach in 82. Uh, I was trying to be fraternity man of the year in college. And so you know how that goes. I was pretty good at it. But, um, and then in 83, Coach Witters got the job at Gabby and asked me to, uh, to come to Gabby. And that's where I started my, you know, my career at Gabby. And two years later, I was hired to teach and uh, spent a long time there and, and uh, left to be a head coach in 91 in North Marion High School. Uh, I hired Craig Damon. That's my running backs coach at North Marion. That's how far me and Craig go back, you know, the FHLA administrator. And uh, 
came back to Gabby in 95 and uh, started getting involved in the uh, FACA in 1984. Little did I know getting involved would it lead me to where I am now. Like I said, I've been lucky. I've been at the right place at the right time. And uh, you know, all in all, I got 29 years of coaching experience. I'm starting my 11th year here as the executive director. So I'm in my 40th year of high school athletics. And uh, I've seen a lot come and go, a lot of ebbs and flows, a lot of good decisions, a lot of bad decisions. So uh, again, I've been lucky, been fortunate, uh, been at the right place at the right time. Well, it's certainly, um, I think the last 20 years when I've been in Florida, I've had a chance to uh, to get to know you. Uh, we first met on the uh, uh, Coaches Advisory oh, wow. Committee. Yeah, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, the influence of your father, your high school coach, you know, as uh, coaches, administrators, you know, we, we know the, uh, the importance of leading and particularly mentoring. Who are some of the other mentors uh, that you've had in your life um, that you can still hear their voices in the things that you do each day? Well, you know, being here in Tallahassee, it would hard, it'd be hard not to uh, uh, know Bobby Bowden and what he's done. Uh, I was telling somebody the other day, and uh, right down here at my desk, uh, I have a, a paper that I made about 20 plus years ago. Coach Bowden was at an FACA clinic, and he talked about the qualities of a great leader. And he said, those qualities are integrity, compassion, loyalty, and persistence. And uh, that kind of fit into how I was raised. Uh, had never thought of it like that, you know, and by him uh, talking about that, you know, he had a, you know how Coach Bowden is, he had a story behind every little word and what a, an incredible speaker he is. And uh, I put it on just a piece of paper, a piece of paper on my computer. And uh, I stuck it on my desk at Godby. That way I could see it every day. It's, on, it's that same piece of paper, had it taped up there. I pulled that tape off, put it in a folder when I left Gabby, and I put it on my desk here at the FACA. And it looks ragged and everything else. I'm looking at it right now, but it's still the original one. And of course I give Coach Bowden credit at the bottom of it, uh, that uh, where it came from. And it's something I see every day. And it's how I try to live my life. It's how I try to live my my professional life. Uh, that's how I try to do things, uh, you know, here at the FACA. And, and uh, you know, those are some, those are some strong traits. And, and that's what I try to, I, I go by. That's great stuff. You know, we, um, uh, we have a lot of coaches that, that listen to these podcasts, as well as athletic directors. And, and we're going to talk about the AD part later. But this next part is for coaches. You know, you've, uh, you know, definitely seen it all. Volunteer coach, JV coach, varsity assistant, um, you know, head coaching job. And for our listeners who don't know, uh, state champion uh, head football coach. What are some things that you think were key uh, steps in that state championship um, path that it didn't just happen overnight, obviously, but what were some things that you did or that happened in under your watch 
that helped make that state championship possible? Well, actually, I was an assistant coach for the state, the two state championships that got me in 86 and 87, but I won a, uh, uh, the 88 state weightlifting championship. And then of course, uh, as a coach at Godby, we played for it in 2008 and lost seven to six in overtime. But, uh, you know, the thing that, that, uh, that I learned coaching, uh, and every coach should understand this, uh, don't be afraid to start at the bottom. Okay. Everybody has to start somewhere. Uh, you're not going. You're not going to go in and start at the top. Uh, you know, I mowed the field. I cleaned lockers. Uh, I painted the field. I mow, uh, uh, gave out equipment. I mean, the last four or five years I was at Godby, uh, I passed out every piece of equipment we had. Uh, you know, even as a head coach, and I had somebody assigned in the equipment room, but it had to be done, and so I did it. Uh, don't. Don't, what I'm trying to say is, don't take a meaningless job in your mind to be a meaningless job, okay? Uh, everybody has to have a duty, you know, with your coaching staff. Uh, some might have to put dummies on the field. Some might have to wash uh, game jerseys. Somebody might have to give equipment. Uh, somebody might have to uh, upload the, the video. I mean, uh, I always had a, a list of uh, a list of duties for all my coaches, and and I didn't pick and choose as to who got what, except for the fact that uh, you know we had a thing uh, that if you were an inside coach, uh, and when I say inside coach, talking about it going to a game, uh, we always take our specialists out, our kickers, punters, quarterbacks, receivers. And those, those coaches went out there with those players. Well, I treated them as an inside coach and an outside coach. Those coaches were outside coaches. The other coaches were left behind in the locker room with the rest of the team, so they were, they were counted as outside coaches. So I tried to set up duties to, as to how that worked. You know, at the end of the game, the outside coaches, they were out at the bus passing out food to the players when they come out of the locker room. The inside coaches was in the locker room. Uh, collecting equipment and, and cleaning it up and stuff like that, getting the kids dressed and so you can get back on the bus. Uh, so don't be afraid to do something uh, that may seem meaningless to you. Uh, it plays a big part in the overall program and the overall success of your program. Uh, you know, another thing I'd like to say is, and I tell, I've told coaches this and I've told ADs this, I've told anytime I spoke to people, uh, Eddie Feely, who is a member of our FACA Hall of Fame, as well as his son, Mark, who's the AD at Leon. Uh, Eddie always had a, a thing that said, uh, you take time to do the things that's important to you. Okay, if, you know, if it's important to you, you're going to do it. And so keep that in the back. They need to keep that in the back of their mind. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, just, just let, let it all happen. Let it all flow. Work hard. Uh, and you will eventually get there. Uh, good stuff. Sounds like uh, you know, organization is certainly a key to success. Let's look a little bit from the AD standpoint. Um, you know, we always you know, say coaches are, are laser focused on their programs. Athletic directors have a little more global view. In your position as the executive director, 
uh, for FACA, you know, you're certainly looking at things from a, a statewide, uh, you know, very much a, a big picture. From an AD, how has the job changed, let's say, in the last, uh, let's just say, 20 years or so? How's the job of a Florida athletic director changed in that time? Uh, first of all, I think you need an attorney to keep uh, an attorney to keep up with all the paperwork that you have to complete now. Uh, you know, it's, there's more there's more stuff to complete than you have to sign with a closing agent uh, at a title company. Uh, I think that's I think that's one of the biggest changes. I, I feel for our ads right now because there's so much on them. You know, whether it's and 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 don't get me wrong, it's. It's just the way of the world right now, you know, and it's all needed stuff. But anywhere from, from home campus to having those 8, 10, 12 forms that you got to have signed on, on file, uh, you know, overseeing the facilities, making sure you got ticket takers, making sure you got it cleaned. You know, there's just so many, there's just so many uh, unknown duties, you know, that the general public does not see of an athletic director. Uh, you know, they they do so much stuff behind the scenes that you and that you never know. Uh, but I mean, it's 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 a, it's a difficult job, and it requires being out of the, being out being away from home uh, lots of times in the spring, five nights a week. You know, uh, attending some function or some game or going to a booster club meeting or you know, there's always something, and uh, you know, and and. I get aggravated when, when uh, places, and I say places, schools or, or, or administrators will give somebody the AD's job, but that's not their main job, okay? They might be a dean and they're in charge of discipline or, or what have you. And they're having to really work double time to keep up with their AD side. And, and in my opinion, AD's job is a full-time job. Uh, and, you know, Never is the AD uh, sitting around doing nothing. Uh, and even you know, even some of our rural schools, we got ADs that coach three sports. They drive the bus. Uh, they sell tickets. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot out there. I mean, you uh, you run a, you've been in, in small schools, and so you know the role of the AD, and you've been an AD, and and you've had to do all those things, and 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 knowing you, you do that, you do them all over again. You know, because that's what you that's that's what you like to do, and 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 you're good at it. But I, I feel for him for all the things that are thrown at him this day and time. Yeah. No, and you're absolutely right. There's a lot, but at the same time, you know, the other side of that coin is where else do you get paid to go to high school games and hang out with kids and coaches and uh, you know just live the life of uh, right. uh, that we live. Um. FACA has just been uh, uh, such a big thing in my life as, as a coach, as, a, as an AD with the uh, clinics. I remember, you know, when I first came to Florida back in 2000 as an AD and a head football coach, uh, we would bring our entire coaching staff from Coral Springs Christian up to Daytona every summer uh, for those fall uh, sport uh, coaches clinics. And it was a great time. Um, what are some things that uh, you have done as executive director uh, for FACA that you're particularly proud of? Either new things or, or things that have maybe taken a, a, a new turn under your leadership? 
I, I say the my first thing I say living because in our 84 year history we were founded in 1936 there's uh there's only been four executive directors in our history and three of us are still alive only the first one has is deceased so I'm I'm glad to be alive you know that's the main thing <laughs> uh, the other thing is our second executive director just turned 95 a couple a uh, couple of days ago uh, Carrie McDonald uh, of course, Wink Barnett was after that. I followed Wink. Wink was a was did it for 32 years. I don't have 32 years in me, uh, you know. So, but uh, I've tried to take, you know, Wink had been there the longest, and that's who I kind of trained under. That's who was on the board under, uh, and I was able to, you know, serving as state football chairman. So I knew I knew about the clinics, being on the board. I kind of knew the inner workings of everything. Uh, and you still don't know everything. I mean, it's, you, you, you learn as you go, but, uh, you know, some of the things that, that I've tried to do uh, over the years is, you know, I'm a digital immigrant, not a digital native, okay? Uh, our young people are di digital natives, and I'm a digital immigrant, so uh, I've tried to in, uh, improve our, our digital platform. Uh, we, you know, we now have uh, uh, an update of uh, a, a website that's, that's very well updated. I need to get into it. I actually update it myself. So uh, I, I've got to do some things in it, you know, to even further update it. But we have online membership. Never had that before, uh, which has gone very well. Uh, I've really pushed for school memberships. Uh, of course, that's the best deal uh, around, you know, do you pay $70 for an individual um, membership or do you pay $40 for a school membership? And, uh, uh, you know, you can, you can just about pay for, uh, you know, for the $70, you can almost get two coaches for the school membership. But, uh, you know, when I when I when I came into the job, we had 199 school members, uh, and last year we had 300. Uh, so we have shown some growth in that regard. And in the previous years, we were 270, 272, 275. The three previous years, uh, and then we have the pandemic. So it's really fixing the really challenges, you know, as far as members. And, and right now we're behind with school members. Uh, you know, the sooner start dates get straightened out and things like that, I think that will, that will take over. Uh, you know, I've tried to ramp up our all-star games to make them, you know, one of the most, uh, one of the best experiences you can, you can imagine. And, you know, not only for the coaches and the players, but for the parents, you know. Uh, in many cases, our all-star games, that's the last high school game uh, these uh boys and girls will get a chance to play, you know, uh, and you try to make it the most memorable event you can. And then, and we've done a good job of that. Uh, but you know, that's, you know, my wife is a big help on that regard. Plus our state chairman in those sports do an awful lot to promote it. Uh, we've tried to upgrade our clinics. Uh, you know, you mentioned Daytona, uh, back in 2000, who would not want to spend three days in June in Daytona for less than $100 a night. You can't beat that. Uh, and, uh, you know, and it's a, it's a good 
it's a good every coaching staff, whether it's a staff of a football staff of ten coaches or a basketball staff of three or a baseball coach staff with with uh, four, it's a chance for you and your staff to get away, develop some camaraderie. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, kind of see each other in a different light. Uh, go and visit with your peers. Attend attend these sessions. Uh, you know, I just believe that that the coaches that don't go to clinics or conferences are not getting they're not getting better. Uh, you know, you when I was a head football coach, I required my my staff to attend at least one clinic a year. Okay. I didn't want them getting stagnant, okay? And coaches can get stagnant if you're not exposing yourself to some new ideas and some uh, uh, some best practices, uh, things like that. And, you know, as you know, in the state of Florida, we don't have any required education. Uh, and, you know, so that 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 drives me crazy because I think, I think coaches can always learn. You know, I can remember going to some of the clinics I went to and Following, uh, following around Bill Castle, <clears throat> Joe Canan, Walt Frazier at Miami Carroll City, uh, Dwight Thomas, who coasted Escambia and Emmett Smith, uh, Gene Cox, Jimmy Sauls. You know, those guys were my heroes. And, and you'd go to a clinic just to sit close enough to them in, in hopes that they might recognize you want to talk to you, you know, and, and you always want to talk to them. And, and people don't realize is what's in those sessions is important. But what's more important is you sitting over in the corner of the room with a with a experienced coach, and uh, you're getting to talk about you know your sport and spe uh, specifically, and and you're watching them and you're you know you're you're seeing how they carry themselves. You see who they're talking to, and and all that is is I mean it's I I I'm in awe in some of the and you know back then I was in awe with some of those guys, because they were the guys you'd heard of. And, and, uh, and I just think that, that we need more of that, you know, and we need some more face-to-face -face, uh, uh, interaction time than we have. I mean, I realize that the situation we're in right now, we can't do that type of thing, but, but hopefully we can get past it and, and get back to being able to visit with our peers. And, and, and so uh, those are some of the things I've tried to get to do a little bit better. I've tried to be a voice of the coaches. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I tell people all the time, uh, I don't want the coaches association to sit on the front porch and eat beans when the other groups are inside the house eating steak. We want to be at the table too. And, and, and that's what we try to, we're going to be relevant. We're going to be forceful. We're going to be involved because after all, we do represent the second largest group of shareholders in the athletic process only behind the student athletes. And, uh, and so uh, those are the things I've tried to do. Have, have I offended some people? Probably. Have I criticized or Probably. Uh, but I don't take it back and, and I'm, you know, I'm gonna sleep at night, you know? And, and, and I don't say that uh, uh, arrogantly. I just, I, I pride myself in trying to, to trying to know the pulse of our coaches and, and the direction they want to go. And, and, and being a coach, uh, I treat my job like I'm a coach, you know, like I'm a head coach and I got all my assistants and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's been my point of emphasis is, is to be relevant, be a part of everything, 
uh, be able to provide a good voice for our, for our coaches. Oh, and, and I can say absolutely that you have done that. Uh, you and I get to attend a lot of the same FHSA meetings and, uh, you know, you're there representing the coaches. I'm there, you know, obviously representing the ADs, but uh, no, you do a great job in the, the clinics that you put on, which include uh, professional development sessions for athletic directors uh, are just fantastic. You know, um, keep, uh, keep up the great work. When you come to athletic directors, what, what we've tried to do is not duplicate what you might would have at FIAAA conference, you know, Give us some different, some different topics, some different people, uh, and that way there's a need to, to be able to see, uh, you know, to go to both of them, you know, and and uh, but so that that's that's what we try to do as far as ads are concerned. No, and we appreciate that. Um, let's shift gears here a little bit. Uh, COVID has certainly had an impact uh, nationwide uh, as well as here in Florida. Uh, we've seen. In the last few weeks, some states uh, have uh, delayed sports. Some have moved sports incredibly to, uh, you know, winter. Um, some have, uh, you know, canceled sports. Some states uh, just spoke to an athletic director in Nebraska. They're full steam ahead. And uh, we've seen um, the response in Florida. Right now we're kind of on hold. But from your perspective as executive director, um, what do you see – are maybe some of the key things that have to occur, maybe should occur before we can, uh, I, I dare say, return to normal? Well, uh, I'm, I'm a member of uh, NOCAD. NOCAD to us is uh, the National Organization of Coaching Directors, uh, Association Directors. Or, and uh, so it's my counterparts in all the other states, you know, and and uh, I've been in a group uh, email with that group, you know, since early in the spring. Been on a couple of Zoom calls with them where we've been able to share uh, things, you know, ideas back and forth. I'm also tied in with the USA National uh, Football Coaches Alliance, and I'm on a group email there. So I've been able to keep up with what every state's been doing, what direction they're going in. Uh, the issues they're having, uh, and I, like I said, I've, I've been doing that since the early spring, and uh, and I get three or four of those emails. Kansas, Kansas is going to do this. Nebraska is going to do this. Wisconsin is going to do this. So I get all that information, uh, you know, fairly regular, and, and of course I chime in and and give them the the recent update in Florida. Uh, but uh, it's amazing when you go to those. And this is something I tell all, all the listeners. When you go to those national conferences, uh, you would think the people in Florida are rock stars. They want to know what Florida's doing. Okay. They love to hear what Florida's doing. And, and you go to the, probably the national uh, NIAAA. And so you know what I mean. I mean, uh, I, think we're, I think we're a big deal when it comes uh, to, the, to the country. Uh, and uh, so that, that right there kind of makes us up our game when it comes to things, you know, not just with COVID, but with any other things. Uh, as far as COVID, uh, for every doctor that favors don't, don't return to play or don't return to school, there's another doctor that says return to play, return to school. Uh, you know, 
there's there's pros and cons either way and uh, you know I really don't know uh, it's hard to sort some of that stuff out you know and, and uh, that's that's the biggest challenge that we have uh, and depending on how you feel about it or whatever you know I was tested for COVID back in June because I had what I thought was an exposure which I tested negative uh, uh, my daughter and son-in-law has been tested my mom my brother my sister also I mean, it's real, okay? Don't get me wrong. And we've had a couple of people up this way. Uh, Madison County head coach, Mike Coe. Uh, Mike Edo, the athletic director at Childs, uh, is still recovering. I think Mike has already recovered. Uh, you know, and, and it's, we're, I think there's still a lot of unknown. I mean, Mike said there's seven people in his house and only him and his wife got it. His kids never did. Uh, he had a linebacker coach who got it. And his kids and wife never got it, you know. So there's so much unknown about it, and and uh, so I think that requires some some bold action by us. I mean, uh, even if it means flipping things upside down as far as as when we start and playoff advancement and all that type stuff, uh, you know, I think those things we have to consider. I don't think we can do business as usual. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on the volleyball advisory meeting here at one o'clock today and then on football at four o'clock this afternoon. And then I got two tomorrow. Uh, so, <clears throat> and, and I'm, I'm on those for several reasons. One is I want to hear what all the sports are doing, uh, you know, because there may be some best practices in cross country uh, advisory meeting that football could benefit from or volleyball benefit from and vice versa. Uh, and not to mention, it gives me real-time up-to-date information as to the direction that people feel we ought to go. And, uh, and I, I have a chance to, to share the correct information as opposed to getting it secondhand and, and things like that, you know, so that's the reason, you know, I'm going to be on those meetings and, uh, you know, not from a not to control the discussion or anything like that. Mainly a listener and, and and things like that. Well, I found something over the weekend, and uh, from the Ohio uh, High School Athletic Association, where their football coaches had put together uh, about a thirty-page document of best practices, and. A lot of it, the reason it's 30 pages is because they did a lot of comparison of the things you did in, in 2019 to the things that you need to do in 2020. Uh, and I mean, it had pictures and everything. And, you know, uh, a five-man blocking sled where in 2019, you put five players on it. Well, in 2020, you put three. Uh, extending the sidelines to uh, – to, uh, 10-yard line to 10-yard line, but still the coaches only can go 25 to 25 uh, to ensure social distancing. Uh, you know, face shields, pacifier-style mouthpieces. Uh, the thing that I found the most intriguing was uh, with that is, is the, the way they did things in nine-minute pods at practice and groups of nine and uh, things like that. I mean, it's it's so in-depth, it's unbelievable. So I took it, and I played with it, and basically I took Ohio out, put Florida in, 
I put some things that I thought was that applied to Florida that that didn't apply to Ohio. Uh, I sent it to Frank Beasley, the football administrator, and and he put some FHSA stuff in it. And we now, with the football advisory, we're going to have a a, a thirty-page document of best practices and considerations, uh, all of which is is I think is good. Uh, I feel like we're going to come out of this very well educated. We're going to learn to do things that we've never done before. We're going to learn to we're going to learn to do things that we probably never would have thought of that we may hang on to going forward, uh, just because we learned how to do something differently. And and so I think we're going to come out of this a lot more educated than than we would have. Uh, you know the making adjustments to the state series advancement and things like that uh, is, is going to be addressed. Uh, you know, me personally, I feel like we can go back and be safe. Okay. I feel like that, uh, that I think it's important that we start sports before we start school. Okay. You take a, a football team or, or a cross country team or volleyball team, well, with football, you got about 50 kids. Volleyball, you got about 20. Cross country, you got about 10 or 12. Well, those are small pilot programs. And if we start those before school starts, before you bring in your 12, 1,500 kids, you're going to get to see the things that these coaches are, are, are doing or having to do. And, and it gives you an idea of, of maybe what to expect when you bring the masses back. Uh, so I see starting before schools start as a positive uh, because it gives us real information. It gives us real, uh, real things that's being tried. Are they working or do we need to adjust when the masses come back? You know, so I think there's a lot can be gained from starting before actual school starts. Uh, you know, returning to normal, Will we ever return? I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't favor pushing the seasons back to a, a spring season like some of the states because what happens if we push it back and things still hasn't changed? Now we've we lost a window of opportunity maybe. Uh, but I'm for safety. I want the best practices. I want everything that we possibly can do, even if it's things that we're not accustomed to. Uh, because, you know, the, uh, as, as one of my mentors told me one time that that kid that you're dealing with in school, uh, is your Brian, Brian is my son, you know, so, uh, you got to treat them, you know, you got to, you got to treat them just like they're your own kids. And so that's how, that's the most precious commodity as, as a child. And, uh, but I do think we can do it safely. Uh, I think some of the things coming out of the CDC and different things that's posted out there. I think, I think there's things that's available uh, to guide us and give us the right directions. Well, Sheldon, I appreciate you sharing uh, those views. Um, I'm actually going to be on the AD advisory committee meetings next week, similar to the coaches. I'm supposed to be on that one too. I'm supposed to be on that one too. I'd be uh, interested to hear some of those uh, ideas that you're going to be sharing. Well, gosh, we've kind of come to the end. We're going to have to wrap this up uh, quickly, but I'm not going to let you get away without 
being, evol being involved with our athletic director's toolbox. You know, you are certainly a, a master administrator, and uh, now it's your task to send out a brand new AD, but I'm only going to let you put three items in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Shelton Cruz athletic director toolbox? First thing, the minute you walk on campus, there's two groups of people that you befriend and get them on your side. That is the secretaries and the custodians. All right, they will make or break you. Okay, you don't need the others, but those are two groups of people that you better take care of. You better shower them with hats and shirts, and uh, uh, if you have some sort of a, a, a potluck thing, anything left over, you leave. I mean, those are the those are the people you have to take care of. Uh, that's the, and in my opinion, that's the most. I've always tried to do that when I've taken coaching jobs. Is those people to me are the most important to your program. Uh, the other thing I'll tell you, this number two, attend the FACA clinic. Okay, and number three, attend the FIAAA uh, conference. Uh, for any new AD, those are three things that will will benefit them. You know, they'll have their school, they'll have their support group at school with the secretaries and custodians. Uh, they'll be able to meet. And, and discuss things with, with other ADs at the FACA clinic and the FIAAA conference. Uh, and you can learn something from both of those. So those are the three things I would put in the AD toolbox. Well, those are certainly, uh, you know, valuable tools. Uh, Shelton, I want to thank you so much, uh, not just for being on the podcast, but, you know, for everything uh, you've done for FACA uh, and for me, you know, um, you know, as a young football coach, uh, certainly welcomed me into the uh, I was young too, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> a young Florida football coach. How's that? Okay, that's better. <laughs> but uh, thanks. Good luck. Um, again, you and I are going to be talking soon. Uh, to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, come back again next time for another edition of the Educational AD. Thanks again for listening. Remember, these episodes are also being uploaded to the Educational AD YouTube channel. That's Educate, Ath, DIR, and FIAAA on YouTube. Thanks again for listening.